Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-Yard NFL Podcast. Welcome back to the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. It is week 12 and I'm shocked by that. The season's gone so quickly. Uh, we've just had Thanksgiving, which you know really is starting to signal the run-up to Christmas now. Uh, so we're going to be recapping all of the Thanksgiving games today, as well as previewing the first Black Friday game and the rest of the week 12 slate as well. And joining me to do that is Charlie Grace. You've been on a podcast a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, you know, you've not been on for a while before that, but mate, is I love you on, the, on, these, uh, on these preview podcasts because uh, we can really go into depth on, the, on these games. And we had quite a few... We had one good game last night, didn't we? And then the other two were a bit were a bit rubbish. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start with that with that game in a minute. But firstly, mate, you know how how are you doing? It's been been two weeks since you last on. Yeah, good to have. Thanks for having me back on. Um, excited to talk about these games and then preview the rest of the week. But yeah, it was a bit of a fun day. Um, ended up staying up to watch the end of the San Francisco game. I initially was going to bed at half time, but I just kind of stayed up and had it on in the background. Um, kind of petered out a bit like the Cowboys Commanders game really and wasn't a lot on it but you know glad to be back there we are and we uh, the two of us as well as as well as Owen and Ollie who've been on the podcast many times over the last uh, well, last 12 weeks uh, we, we all went for a uh, for, for Thanksgiving dinner last night we went for a massive carvery just to you know fill our stomachs before the games something into a bit of a food coma in, in the first game, um, which sort of was a bit disappointing because, well, the start of the first game was absolutely brilliant, yeah, where the Packers got revenge for a week four domination over the Lions uh, with, with the shot tri- triumph over the Lions, as I said, yeah, in, in the second game. Um, yeah, they got absolutely smashed in the last Thursday night game against the Lions. This time they played on the Thursday afternoon um, and I thought they were excellent. Jordan Love especially, yeah, his best game by far. It went 22-32 for 268 yards and three touchdowns uh, as the Packers beat the Lions 29-22. Um, he's had better stat lines this year, but he's had some bad plays in those games with, better, with good stat lines. I think it's sort of been a bit you know, kind to him. You know, These last two games have been his two best games and I've been really impressed with what he's done in that time. Um, a complete performance in general from the Packers, to be honest with you. And I think the Lions were, they weren't bad, but turnovers hurt them. And, they, and as of last week, it it cost them this game. Last week they were lucky they were playing the Bears and they could come back right at the end because the Bears aren't a well coached football team. But yeah, this this week this, the issues carried on. Um, seven turnovers in the last two games, six of them caused by Jared Goff, um, which is a a bit of a concern. I'd say it's the second time the Lions have crowded the bed this season on a national TV game or you know again that everyone's watching because the Lions game was also um, a nationally televised game because it was the, the premier um, game in that window. Um, yeah, they're both in a big spot. Uh, as I said earlier, and you know they should, I think they showed a lot of toughness last week by winning that game. But I'm a bit concerned by the way they lost yesterday. Are you, Charlie? Yeah, um, they just couldn't move the ball in the first half. Like, it seemed like every time I look up, it's like Jordan Love was back on the field. Um, AJ Dillon was running the ball on an end around. Like, they they just could not get a first down in that first half. Um, I think Green Bay set the tone 
Yeah, we were having a little bit debate with Ollie weren't it, before the game, like about whether we defer or or kick off. And I think you know, Green Bay chose to take the kick off and actually, you know, set the tone for the game with the the deep bomb first with the first play of the game, and then obviously being quite clinical, scoring their own touchdown. Um, and the defense really stepped up despite their secondary injuries for the for the Packers. You know, Eric Stokes on IR. Um, Jair Alexander's ruled out and Russell Douglas obviously got traded across to the Bills. So they had uh, Valentine and Valentine yes. back there, didn't they? And they, they kind of locked down the um, the Lions receiving core and, yeah, Goff, Goff with the three costly fumbles and um, Green Bay now back in the playoff picture as well. But, yeah, from a Lions point of view, I think it, it was a concerning loss. And I think... With the way Dallas played yesterday and San Francisco played as well, I think they're, you know, people at the start of the season thought maybe Detroit were knocking on the door to be one of those big kind of big three NFC teams. But last couple of weeks, they've they've wobbled a bit and they haven't really beaten a, a legit team other than the Chiefs on night one. Like, that was a big statement win. But since then, they haven't really... I wouldn't say they've blown me out of the water with any of their wins. You know, they've just kind of churned them out over teams that they're better than, and they they feel like a kind of divisional round road game loss. Well, team. the thing with, the, with that Chiefs game as well is the Chiefs literally gifted that game to the Lions. It's not as if they were exceptional or anything. It's just Kansas City kept turning the ball over, and they also couldn't catch the football. And it, <laughs> I, that I. When uh, after that game, Liam came on. I think he said it was the worst amount of drops or something like that of all time from the Chiefs that game. So that's that was an anomaly in the first place. So even then, you could probably maybe even scratch off that win because the Chiefs handed them that game. Yeah, um, and I think you know I I love Jared Goff. I think his kind of redemption story in Detroit's been really great. And again, we were talking about last night. You know, the Stafford Goff trade doesn't you know Owen mentioned it doesn't feel like anyone kind of lost that trade. Um, but you start to think maybe it's time, you know, with the stacked QB draft class coming up that you know, they took Hendon Hooker, but he's back on IR. I don't know, you know, he's almost 74 years old now. Like, it's don't think he's going to be a future starter. So, you know, maybe they look to this draft class, either trade up in the draft or back end of the first round because they're not getting a high draft pick. They're pretty much a shoo for the playoffs already. Um that, you know, they take a QB and even if that QB sits behind Goff for another year, yeah, I think, I don't think this team can win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff um, no. at quarterback. I think that there's a couple of pieces that far off winning a Super Bowl with, but yeah, they win that game yesterday if they have a better quarterback than Jared Goff. Yeah, and I think, well, that's the thing. To me, it does look like they're starting to crumble a bit because of that, because you know, there's the, the they've had success in the last sort of twenty games or so, um, over the last two seasons where Goff didn't really turn the ball over, and then you know there's that yeah you know, that on that long streak without turning the ball over you know towards the end of last year near you know, for quite a big chunk of this year as well. Then he did turn the ball over, and since then he's he's turned the ball over quite a bit. A bit. So uh, there there is that, I think a little bit that probably does need fixing. But you know they've got a little bit of um. You know, I hope it's not the case that they are crumbling because you know, they've got a mini bye week now. They've got ten days to try and fix things before going to New Orleans. So, so that's sort of you know a bit of an advantage of playing Thanksgiving. You know, if you play two 
sort of bad games back to back. You win one of them, you go into your mini buy, and then you can probably start sort of rebuild as a team after that. So there is an advantage there for the Lions for sure. Um, as for the Packers, yeah, they they were excellent. I think they're certainly still alive. I think aren't they, Charlie? Especially with uh, with the Seattle game, which we'll get into in a minute. Yeah, but um, I mean they're a game back from Seattle now, um, and you compare the runnings. Green Bay's is exponentially easier than Seattle's running. I mean, Seattle have got a horrendous run um, coming up. And the Packers are going to be probably competing with two or three of the NFC South teams as well for that final playoff spot, I'd have thought, along with Seattle. Um, all probably looking at like nine and eight, eight and nine records around there. Um, the three NFC South teams have got the beauty of having to play New Orleans. Like, hmm. uh, sorry, uh, Carolina, like twice still, like yeah, in the Falcons' the Saints, case. The Saints are probably uh, going to win that division. What are you on about? I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a lot left up for grabs there. So there's still competition around, I think. But Green Bay, they've they've looked good last two weeks. Um, Jordan Love looked good yesterday. Like he's a couple of his throws over the middle of the field that. Yeah, there was a middle linebacker in there, but he managed to place the ball in the kind of hole in between right linebacker and safety and get a couple of big chunk plays. So he certainly progressed since I last watched him um, a few weeks ago against the Broncos. And I think if he keeps his current level of play up, there's no reason they can't make the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's certainly a possibility. Um, it's not a possibility for Washington, though, who, uh, yeah, their season's over after going to four and eight in game pretty much smashed by Dallas in the second half. I think quality showed for the Cowboys in that runaway victory. The Commanders, they were they were down like they were down about four points at half time. You know, or maybe it was they were down a, a one score for quite a big chunk of this game. Um they had the football for thirty seven minutes in this game. That's you know almost two thirds of possession. Uh, they lost this game by five scores, which I think <laughs> sort of shows where Washington are at. Uh Dallas scored six touchdowns with twenty three minutes of the football, which is really impressive. Obviously one of them being uh Deron Bland's fifth pick six of the season, an NFL season single season record, um, which are just incredible for him. What a season and, uh, you know, again, Dallas are scoring more touchdowns with their defence and, and a lot of QBs, you know, than Kenny Pickett has this season, which is, just, again, you're just mental to think about. Um, Dak Prescott continues his impressive play. He went 22 to 32 for 331 yards and four of those touchdowns. And I've been praising Dak these last four weeks. I'm, you know, I'm a big critic. You know, I have been around 19 in my QB ranking this season um, going into it for the guide. Um, but over the last four weeks in that time, he's had over 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns and two interceptions. To put that into perspective, I think he's had 19 this entire year. Oh, no, hang on, he's had 25 this entire year. So half this season have come in the last four games. Um, and that's the same amount of career touchdowns that Kenny Pickett has had in his career. The Dyke has had in the last four games as well, which is, again, <laughs> a bit a bit of a, a funny stat. Um, and he is also PFF's highest graded QB in that period too. Um, he's building a late MVP charge, I think. He's, I think he's got a legitimate chance of it if they win a couple of their big games coming up. But it's whether they actually do, that's the problem, because a lot of them are on the road, and that's where Dallas starts to struggle, and that's where you know that crumbles. And So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But he's certainly been one of the best players in football the last couple of weeks, hasn't he, hasn't he Charlie? Sure. Um, my first kind of note was a Dak for MVP question mark. I think he's got to start you know, entering that conversation. Um, but... You know the, you know the Cowboys are on a roll, and I, I think you know I mentioned before Detroit early on in the season were looking to kind of break into that top three NFC teams, but I think 
the hierarchy now is in it's starting to form. You know, you've got Philly, San Fran, Dallas, and then probably Detroit a, a fair way back from there. But um yeah, they, they look really good yesterday and again they're good on both sides of the ball. It feels like the same Dallas team that we've had for the last few years, you know, but the difference is Dak's playing really, really well. You know, really Way nice better football. than last year, that's um, the thing. If he can play the, the ball, going into the playoffs, that's it. Yeah, taking care of the ball. And I, I mentioned it the other day, he's he's reminds me a lot of Josh Allen. Um, but without without the kind of brutish running ability of Josh Allen, but he's always got that big bomb play in him. He's, you know, but whereas Josh Allen this year hasn't taken care of the football as much, you know, Dak Prescott really is. He's not turned the ball over half as much as he usually does. Um, and, yeah, they, I mean, this Cowboys team's on a roll. If they can stay healthy, then I don't see why they couldn't, you know, upset a Philly or a San Francisco in the, in the playoffs. And um, the question mark just remains over, can they be a good team, like a legit team? Similar to you know storyline around the Dolphins, um, they bully those like bad teams like a Washington or a you know Giants. But when they come against a good team, they do seem to struggle. Um, and they've got the they're at the Bills and at the Dolphins still yet to come. They've got to play the Eagles as well. So I think that comes in a three game stretch as well. So that's like basically a um, boom or bust kind of three-week stretch across Christmas. Like, can you beat Philly in Jerry World? And then can you go on the road and disrupt one of those big teams that's also going to be placing, uh, chasing playoff berth on the road? And then you kind of put all these question marks to bed. And um, and yeah, I'd be, I mean, you know, we always say, is this, is this the Cowboys year, you know? It became a bit like you know Liverpool in the hmm. late twenty tens. Like, is this their year? Um, I don't know if this is their year this year because Philly are like a juggernaut, and you'll have to play Philly twice. It feels like if you're going to make the Super Bowl, one of them in Philly. So it's difficult to say, but yeah, that that's certainly making an MVP charge, and the Cowboys are are on a roll. Well, that's the thing as well, because if they can win those three games, like you said, they probably have a shot at winning the division. And if they can win the division, then you know the, the possibilities are endless because in that building, in the AT&T Stadium, Dallas are, are pretty much unbeatable at this point in time. Yeah, their, their point differential at home is one of the maddest things I've ever seen. It is, so if, if they can, you know, if... If they can beat Philadelphia in, in in Dallas, then they're certainly onto something because they'll only be what two games back from them. I think the Eagles have got a really tough schedule as well. You know, if they if the Eagles lose to Buffalo, for example, this week, it's game on for Dallas. It really is, and that that's that's what they're um that's what they're hoping for. I expect, um, you know, with that defense too, as you said, I believe they're a top team in football. I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, those three teams are actually the three best teams in football, and it's not like top heavy NFC. Oh, sorry, in top. Top heavy NFC, and then there's a sort of loaded AFC, but the NFC, I think, have the three best teams in football, in, in my opinion. Um, and as for Washington, Washington, just so we can talk about them a little bit, they held in there, they fell away in the second half, but 
yeah, I can't wait to see them with a new coach next year. And that's the thing. I don't think they're too far away from the postseason. Like, sort of talent-wise, obviously, they've been very unlucky with injuries. Um, they're down to the, they're like sixth and seventh edge rushers at this point in time. After losing the likes of James, James Smith-Williams and FAA Bader in the last couple of weeks, as well as, obviously, trading away Sweat and, and Chase Young. They're, they're very, very hurt in those positions. And obviously, they're... they're as well as others as well. Offensive line is awful. If they can build that offensive line, then I, I really do feel like they've got something there with Sam Howell. Um, he's, he's impressed me this season in that situation, which is, again, one of the worst situations we've ever seen for a quarterback to have. Um, could be pressured every, like, two snaps, but by, um, you know, the, the, the seams of it. Um, so yeah, we'll, 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 we'll end it there with, with this game. But, again, Dallas looked amazing. As did the Niners, who carried on their impressive form to beat their division rival Seattle Seahawks, who underwhelmed, I thought. Um, it was an awesome uniform matchup in this game. You know, the Niners' white throwbacks against the Seattle's action green color rush uniforms. Uh, really nice to see it pops out your TV. You always do uh, at the uh, at the, the link as or you know at Central Field as people call, uh, as used to call it before it became Lumen Field. But yeah, it was great to uh, great great to see just it just pops out in prime time, especially those green jerseys. Um, but the Niners were up twenty four to three at half time. Um, and it was sort of the game felt over by then. Um, the the Seahawks came back and had a little bit of a fight. Uh, they tipped off a they had a tip they sorry, they picked off a tipped Brock Purdy pass from uh, to that end for a touchdown. Um, and then Gino hit Johnson Smith and Jigba with an awesome one handed catch on third and nine, which is probably the play of this game to be fair. But they could only score a field goal on that drive and they had to score another touchdown to really put pressure on the team that is one of the best teams in football. Um, the fourth quarter, Brandon Ayuk touchdown iced the game. Um, and I actually thought that the Seattle defence played quite well, but their offence is just so banged up. They've been so unfortunate with injuries that they're really starting to show right now. You know, they've got Ty Lockett and DK Metcalf playing at 50%. They've hardly practised these last couple of months now. Um, they've got a banged up Junior Smith, who you can tell he had, he had a hurt elbow in, in this game. You've got a banged up offensive line. You're obviously still missing Abraham Lucas. Charles Cross has just come back from injury. Um, and you're missing your top running back too. That, that's That's... That's really harsh of injuries wise. Um, so you're pretty much leaving it to you like to Jack, uh, Zach Charbonnet, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who are, who are rookies, you know, and that's they'll be great for the future. But it's great learning experience. But I think Seattle this year, I don't expect them to do anything with how many injuries they've had. Um, the Niners' defense feasted on that as well with six sacks, interception, and five tackles for loss. Nick both had a game, and we were saying last night the AFC obviously may be the strong conference, but you know, with the NFC. As I said just earlier, as well, I, the Niners are probably these three teams. The Niners, Cowboys, and Eagles are the best teams, three teams in the NFC uh, and in the NFL, I think, as well. But um, I think, really, I think the Niners, the last couple of weeks, you know, after losing that, after, after their buy off those three game losing streak, I really think they probably, them and, and Philly especially, are just so good. Obviously, they're they're building they're loaded up with talent, Charlie. But when we when we look at these two teams, it's just a joy to watch, isn't it? Just because you know, when you see Christian McCaffrey doing this thing, a healthy Christian McCaffrey, it's just excellent to watch, isn't it? Yeah, they're just really fun. Um, and still not sure hundred percent about the Brock Purdy thing. Like he was excellent win... last night, but he did everything yeah. he was asked to do, and that's that's he's you know when he's that's not on top of what form. He... That's kind of what he does, does that, right? That's fine. Yeah. He's... Like Shanahan is almost the quarterback there because he just like puts his alter ego in Brock Purdy out there, like his AI robot thing. It's like he just computes what he wants it to do and he'll do it. Um, but you know, the, I don't know if Brock Purdy can win you a playoff game in Philly or necessarily in Dallas if it came down to it, but um, yeah, they're 
really fun team. You know, Brandon Ayuk probably be a wide receiver one anywhere else in the league. Um, I think he probably is in, in San Francisco as well because yeah. Debo is more of a gadget player. He's getting more targets than Debo this year as well. Obviously, last night was a big Debo night, but it's not been that uh, this yeah. season, especially with Debo being injured. But look, Ayuk's a top, in my opinion, I actually think he's probably a top five receiver in the NFL. I have, I've loved him since college. I'll I'm give you a call, yeah. Um, I, I really think this season especially he's been a top five receiver you'd probably say Tyreek AJ Brown CD Lamb Amon Rasen Brown and Ayuk I'd probably say are my top five receivers this year maybe Keenan Allen pop him there but he, this year he's been excellent yeah and um, yeah and then you mentioned obviously Dio Samuel Christian McCaffrey um, both you know can run the ball can can catch the ball electric after the catch um, George Kittle obviously reliable tight end in there as well um, so they're just a, a great team offensively now the defence you know, Chavarius Wards, Fred Warner Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave however many other all-star players they've got on that D-line like they're, they're just stacked everywhere and they're you know, a, a really great team to watch and it's always high quality football when you watch them play as well, it never feels like it's scrappy or feels like it's you know someone's missed an assignment they always feel like they're drilled in really well executed team um i wrote my notes i think they're the only thing that stands between philly and the super bowl at this point from what we've seen this season they play them in a couple of weeks they go into philly that'll be a huge game for the one seed uh stakes i think um and on seattle i think they're genuinely at risk of missing the playoffs now i think they had a game uh, last week against the Rams that they couldn't afford to drop with their schedule coming up. You know, they've got to play now the uh, Philly, uh, the Niners again, and then uh, just find the Cowboys. So, you know, just, you don't see them picking up a win there with the injuries they've got. Um, you know, and the, the defence kind of kept them in games this year when the offence has faltered, but last night they just got picked apart by superior offence. Um, Reek Willen got benched, reportedly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a good night for Seattle on primetime TV and with the Packers win earlier in the day as well, it was even worse because Packers, as I said, game back. A couple of those NFC South teams are going to be lingering around that kind of eight and nine record as well, which Seattle will be looking at kind of matching with their next three games, you know, could see them come out of this run like six and eight, which is, you know, not ideal when you then go into your stretch of your late December, early January games, trying to make a playoff run. But Pete Carroll's experience, he'll know what he's doing with his, with his team coaching team. They're a young team, but I think with the injuries and the way the momentum's going, I, I, I wouldn't pick them to make the playoffs. At current, um, I don't know about how you feel about that. I I don't know. I'm I'm sort of in the same in the same boat really. I obviously the injury. It's not because they've been okay. They've been you know they've been a top sort of twenty team in football, which is what you probably need to do to, to sneak into the playoffs anyway. Maybe even top fifteen. Um, but it's just inconsistencies, and that, that's the problem with them. And because of injuries as well. Um, uh, and with the schedule coming up, I don't know. I mean, I, I probably would like them to... I think they probably will get in over Green Bay. That's just more because I feel like LaFleur and Jordan Love are going to mess us up. <laughs> rather, rather, rather rather than... Um, and, but look, Seattle are a better coach team. And that's, in, in those sort of games, that's, that's what 
you know, in December and January, that's what matters. And we've seen the Packers have faltered in December and January the last couple of years. So they've been, it's not the last, the last time they've been in this situation, is it? So it's, um, so it's not yep. the first time really. So, so I, I don't know, I'll still pick Seattle to the playoffs over, over those teams. Um, uh, maybe I can see, I can maybe see the Bucks sneaking in. That's I was going to say Bucks and Falcons are kind of Falcons, sneaking no, up. No, Falcons are making the playoffs. No, no, Falcons. I don't know because they got an easy schedule, Falcons, but you know they, they play the Saints this week, and they go to the Jets, and they got the Bucks at the Panthers, Colts at Bears at Saints. Like there's there's a very like winnable kind of. I think there's winnable games, but I I'm, I. They have to win this week. If not, they're done. And that, that's the thing. It's, it's very much, you know, it's on the knife edge with them. The other thing with that answer um, is they, they lead the divisional tiebreak because they're 2-0 yeah. in division. That, so yeah, that, 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 is, that is a good point, uh, which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, but we'll, uh, before we get into that, we'll just finish with the Seattle-San Francisco game. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get on to the first of the, you know, week 12 games to come. And that is the first ever Black Friday game. Uh, Amazon have paid the NFL $100 million to broadcast a standalone game. It's not part of their TV deal. Um, this is obviously the first game on uh, on, on a Friday sort of night hour time. That's not like a Christmas game or something like that. It's just a, you know, just a standalone game. Um, Friday afternoon in America. I'm interested to see if this work. If this works. It's an experiment for Amazon. It's, you know, they're. Uh, I saw a thread on Twitter, and you know, this is sort of their preview into the future of broadcasting. Um, this is free to watch for non-prime subscribers. Um, obviously, it's on Sky in the UK too. Um, and they're doing specialized advertising based on Amazon purchases. So they've got special adverts for people who aren't like prime members or. Um, and then there are also adverts based on your Amazon purchases for people who, um, who are you know, obviously are Prime members. Um, so you, that's, they've got, I think they've got, they've shot adverts. You know, they've, I think it's eight hundred thousand companies that have to pay to advertise their product, which is double what it would normally be on a Thursday night game on Amazon. Um, and they're they're doing they're doing these things where they've got like a um, they they've got a um, a way where you can buy the product you're watching the advert for without even leaving the broadcast which is just mental it's just there's just it's obviously it's a very it's a black friday shopping thing it's brilliant it's it's but with the way that amazon and apple are all getting these you know they have the ability to do that when obviously tv you can't do that so um maybe next year we'll see we'll see a, a big if this goes well we'll see a big bidding war for this game because it's it's a huge opportunity for uh you know to try something new broadcasting wise um you know, this was meant to be one of the best games of the season too, which is why they again they paid a lot of money to broadcast this game. Uh, but without Aaron Rodgers, you know, and the Jets are their third QB and sort of out of the division race now, the AFC East race has been a little bit underwhelming compared to what we thought it would be at the start of the season. Um, and I expect people are probably sick of the Jets on prime time at this point in time. Luckily, the battle between the Jets' defense and the Dolphins' offense should be fascinating, and that's what's you know the big selling point of this game. Uh, you've got the number one offense in most categories, number two in rushing as well, number one in passing uh, against a top ten defense and one that has limited top quarterbacks this season. Um, you know, it's, it's a chance for Tua Tagovailoa and Tariq Hill to affirm their position in the MVP conversation on, on, in prime time as well, um, because they have got two national TV games uh, before the three games that will shape their quest for the one seed coming up. And you know, I think if they win those games, people will feel differently about them because they get to see them, you know, win win big or you know win uh at least win a, a national televised game which they've not been able to do so far because they've played the eagles the chiefs <laughs> and, and the bills in those spots this season so there are three difficult games to play um 
the that's the thing with this game. The defense of Miami has stepped up. It is healthy, and that's what let the team earlier down in the year, which is why there's a lot of optimism about this Dolphins team now because they're playing complete football on both sides of the foot, both sides of the ball. Um, even without Devon Achad in this game, he's a questionable game. It's a game time decision in this one. He re-aggravated his knee injury um, against the Raiders last week, but he's only considered day-to-day, so they may hold him out of this one and then play him after their mini-buy. Um, again, sort of nine days off. Uh, but even without him, it doesn't change my mind. I'm picking the Dolphins to win this game because I feel like that this is the game for their defence and it's a game for them to show why they they've been such a good defense the last couple of weeks on national TV and to really you know show people they are here to push for that one seed and they've got one of the easiest schedules coming up as well you know the win this go to eighteen three they're only a game behind the Chiefs you know um and yeah the the the, the red they they've they've a perfect chance to get this um and yeah national TV time as well I think I think if they win this the, the sort of uh the feeling around the Dolphins and the the U S media I think that's the thing is they will probably be a bit different because being a tough defense um on the road you know that's a, in in a cold weather game as well that's what a lot of the critics of the dolphins are um are, are, are saying so i feel like they're probably going to end that that talk and uh and go and go and win this one how are you feeling about this game charlie uh yeah i think that i wrote down obviously you know the key battles of the dolphins passing on it's against the jets passing defense you know they're quite they rank fairly similarly in their respective um, tiers. So it's going to be an interesting uh, uh, aspect to watch. But the the Jets aren't great defending the run. They're like bottom five in the league. Get Ray Mostert going, and that's the thing. Or A trying to be plays, and that's the Dolphins' key to success because the running game opens up the passing game for them, and it allows them to do things off play action. Two has been the the best callback off play action, other than Matthew Stafford, who hasn't actually touched for a touchdown pass this season, but he has been he's been great with um, because of again the Browns' run game with lots of Kyron Williams and stuff getting him getting him going at the start of the season. Uh, yeah, him and two have been excellent in off play action. If they can get that going, that's that's the key to victory. I think get the run game going, and and that's how they that's how they scored seventy on Denver. I was going to say, you know, that New York are kind of lucky that we're so bad against the run that I don't think they're the worst team actually. Um, but the, my only concern is that Dolphins only managed to squeeze past the Raiders by like a score last week. I think the Jets' defense is better than the Raiders' defense by quite a substantial margin, which is a concern. But then on the other, on the flip side, yeah, I don't think the Dolphins are going to be forced to score more than sixteen points to win this game because Tim Boyle's starting. Um, yeah, no disrespect to Tim Boyle, but he's not. Yeah, he's he's been the backup QB. He was the third string QB at the start of the year, backed up to Zach Wilson, come in kind of on short notice because. I think Robert Sala got pressured from above in the organization to get rid of Zach Wilson. He's our third string quarterback. Um, and yeah, so, so I think the Dolphins won't be forced to score that many points to win this game. It will be a challenge because Jet Stevens is really good and it divisional games are always tough. So it feels like it'd be one that the Dolphins can comfortably win, but might go down to the wire slightly, you know, kind of a 14, 10, you know, Jets hanging in there and then one big play to kind of get you over that finish line and a bit late in the day, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, we don't don't usually get games on a Friday. Um, 
generally we kind of stay up late for the Thursday game. You know, kind of sleep through the Friday, have our football, you know, soccer on the on the Saturday, and then we get ready for the Sunday games. But yeah, I'm enjoying this week. You know, three games yesterday, game today, college football now back on Sky Sports tomorrow. So you got football on a Saturday after the after we watch our football, and then yeah, like I said, full slate on the Sunday. So football galore this week. Um, but yeah, I've I've gone the Dolphins to win. I because there's I have no faith in this Jets team. <laughs> and I a quick point. I think you mentioned about it the other day. We were kind of talking about it before coming on. That if Rogers is healthy, you don't you do not put him out there. No. I don't care how good this miracle kind of surgery that he's had is. If if you are, you know, you're already out of the playoff race, you can tank and get an elite piece for next year. Offensive line, that's what they need. Yeah. Because of, of, you can probably find a decent, cheap slot receiver, which is what the Jets are missing, in free agency. I think if you can get an offensive lineman in 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 this draft, it's quite a good class of offensive lineman as well. Um, actually, if they can if they can get that, if they can get an offensive lineman, then that's that's what they need. I yeah. again, we were saying about it yesterday. I think the Jets, I think they've got a chance for the Super Bowl next year if anyone if everyone stays healthy. It's just they 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 are the team because of the way that defense has played the last couple of years. They are the team that scares me in the AFC more than Buffalo, more than Kansas City at this point in time, if they can get everything right, more than Cincinnati, you know, Houston maybe more. But I think Houston and the Jets next year are gonna have a you know tremendous season if you know everything stays healthy right now. Yeah. And but yeah, you you don't put Aaron Rodgers out there because no, yeah, you know, the risk of him, especially at MetLife, we've all heard about the turf at MetLife. If he busts his Achilles again or another aggravates and different injury like You'd, your stock absolutely tanks then for the for the next year. So I don't see the point in putting Aaron Rodgers out there at all. Put this season down as a as a dud. You know he played your your reason for all your off season hype. Played four snaps all year. <laughs> you know you can kind of get away with that. Everyone's going to survive in their jobs. There's no risk of just playing Tim Boyle for the next six weeks. Go through the motions. Go a little deeper in the playbook, see what works, see what doesn't. And restock for next year, I think. Yeah, and that's a fair, that's a that's a good point there. Um, we'll go on to the games on Sunday now. On a big game on Sunday in the early window, it's probably the game of the week, I'd say, uh, competitive wise. Uh, it is the Jags going into Houston. It's massive in the AFC South race, race absolutely huge. Um, the Texans beat the Jags in week three, and they mean that if they win here, it would see them move to the top of the division. At having a tiebreaker over the Jags, of course, um, and both teams will be on seven, be at seven and four. Um, mm. Since then, the Jags have lost once. Um, that big loss to San Francisco um, and Houston twice um, on the road to the Panthers and the Falcons. Um, but in Houston, they've been excellent. Um, the two of the most informed teams in the league right now, and two of the most exciting young teams that are led by two, you know, two top two draft picks at quarterback. Um, they're quite evenly matched, but I think if you look at the numbers, they're actually quite similar, you know, even in, in that aspect. The Jags' defence probably a little better than the Texans, especially situationally. But then if you look at the Texans' offence, especially in the air, it's been exceptional since their last meeting um, earlier in the season. And it's really spearheaded the run that they're on now. Um, I think where this game is won and lost uh, for, for Jacksonville, because I think obviously the Jags are the favourites here, um, is their offensive line. 
yeah, it's not great at all. Certainly worse than Houston's, um, especially after getting their, their top two tackles back. Um, when kept clean, Lawrence has been awesome this season. The problem is he's not been kept clean a lot, and he struggled under pressure, which is um, you know, which is sort of a, well, forced turnovers. It's also forced a lot of missed throws on on the likes of third down, which which has pulled his uh, pulled his um, you know, performance down a little bit. Uh, but last last week we saw an excellent performance in that aspect. Um, responding to the, to the big loss um he's one of the quickest times to throw in the league this season because of that as well and a lot of the time as well i think lawrence if you give him a little bit more time he, yeah he's he's not he's not a one-week quarterback if you give him a bit more time he can dissect the defense and 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 really really start to cause issues which was what we saw last year when they had john taylor in there um in their offensive line and, and they had a better offensive line than they do now um they have to get the ground game going too. If the channel's open for Travis Etienne, the Jags will win this game. You know, it's rare that a team that you know is well coached as the Jags get swept in the division, as as well. So it's you know before we pick the game that, that you know there is something everything's leaning towards Jacksonville winning this game, but whether they actually do or not is a different question because Houston have been excellent and this this you know as I said earlier, Charlie, this game is just absolutely massive, isn't it? Yeah, I love love this Houston run. I've become kind of. I'm kind of rooting for him. I think CJ Stroud liked him. I liked him at the draft, and he's um, yeah, he's taken like a duck to water in the NFL. Really, yeah, he comfortably. You know, you could say he's a top ten quarterback in the league this season. I think he's a shoe in for the offensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. I think he's an outsider in the MVP race. I, I think you have to mention his name in the MVP race at least. Yeah, he's not necessarily not necessarily going to come top three, but you know, or or top five even. But he deserves a mention in that race because he. If he wins the division and makes a playoff, he's got he's certainly got a shot, and that's the thing. This game is if he's going to win MVP, this game this is, is a huge. real realistic game. Because if he loses this game, he won't win it. If he, yeah. if he loses this game, that he has to win this game to do it. I don't think he's going to win it anyway, especially if you know the likes of Tyreek and and Christian McCaffrey, yeah, you know, have their massive seasons and that carries on as as it is. But if he wins this game, then really we need to start having that conversation. We've been sort of teasing it, but yeah, this game is huge for for that, that case. It's such a huge win for the MVP well, you know, race in general because there's so much you know as you get to, towards the season, there's so much going, you know, into the final month of the season. There's so much resting on these games, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I wrote, you know, Texans could take a huge tiebreaker in this. You know, they could go 2 0 against the Jags. They would get level with the Jags, you know, on 7 and 3. Um, and then they, they host uh, Denver next week, you know, which is another AFC team, which they can, you know, realistically, they can also beat. So on the flip side, Jack- Jacksonville can get a bit of breathing room in the playoff race. So it's such a key game. No wonder Sky chose it. It feels good to have the Texans relevant again. You know, they've the first one they've been relevant since before COVID, hmm. and since before the whole Deshaun Watson debacle and everything. So, feels good to have them back. D'Amico Ryan's got to be in the conversation for Coach of the Year as well. He's done a tremendous job there. Um, and yeah, I'm just just really looking forward to this game. It's going to be really fun. Uh, yeah, but both teams. Are, are fun teams to watch that you know you would tune into their games mm. every week um and yeah just can't wait because it's, it's such a key game with so much riding on it yeah and i'm gonna pick jacksonville in this game just because i love their defense it again turnovers per game leads that this season they've been excellent um stroud although he's not 
turn the ball over as much as he probably should should have done. He has had some plays out there that he, as any rookie does, um, his his interception. You know, if you look at the numbers, is quite low. But if you look at the time of he plays, he's been quite lucky on a lot of his throws this season. And we saw in the game last week against Arizona that a lot of that we saw the pendulum swung and and you know he got unlucky on one throw, but he did the other two throws were intercepted because it was a poor throw and I think the Jags take advantage of that as well because they're very 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 good at that we've seen that all season um also again I think they're probably they're too well coached to get swept by a team in the division it's very rare that you see as I said earlier it's very rare you see a team this good get swept in, a, in normally they come back and get revenge in 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 some point in the second game especially after the way that te- the Texans won the first game so I'm gonna pick the Jags to win this game but I wouldn't bet on it. I really wouldn't bet on it because I think it could go either way. Um, but yeah, give me give me Jacksonville to win this game. I uh, I I think as well because if they win this, they've got again they as well as Miami um, have got an excellent chance at the one seed, and they've got some big games coming up down down the stretch to to uh, well actually to where they haven't. But you know if they can carry on winning, then they'll they, you know that it's in their hands to get this one seed, um, which is excellent for the Jags to be fair because Miami, Baltimore, and Kansas City have really got fight for that between themselves. If if the Jags don't. If the Jags win this game, then that's it's going to be mental going down to the end of the season, and I kind of want to see that because it makes you know means you have meaningful games throughout you know until wait week eighteen. Yeah, I, I, I'm going Texans for home field more than anything, just because you know in division game tight game you pick home field, but like like you said, you know Jacks will win this game. They arguably kind of jump, maybe even the Chiefs in that one seed conversation. Pardon me, conversation. They got the Ravens still on their schedule, and they're at the Browns. But other than that, they've you know there's six winnable games in the rest of their schedule. So, hundred percent, I think they they can be in that conversation. That's some added added fuel to the fire for this game. Um, yeah, I, I I picked Houston just because home field advantage is a bit of a cop out, but um, I think you know they they've riding a wave of um, momentum and yeah in a divisional game so much on it they could go to become a relevant AFC team again for the first time in quite a while so yeah I'm back in Houston at home Awesome, okay we'll, we'll whittle through uh, picking our are winners in every single uh, game in the rest of the 6pm slate. And we'll start in the NFC South, a huge game in this one. Uh, the nature of the division means that Atlanta are still alive, but the last couple of weeks, they've been one of the worst teams in football. Um, they still have to play each other twice, which is huge. So if, if they can win this game, then, then somehow they can see their way into the playoffs. Um, you know, it sounds like Derek Carr is going to play coming off a concussion, but whether he, whether he looks good or not, we don't know. Uh, but Michael Thomas and Marshall Lattimore will not play. Um, but neither injury is season-ending, which is good. Uh, Thomas has gone on IR, but he will come back at the end of the season. Uh, and Lattimore is not on IR, but he's missing this game. As, but they are two key players to be down. Um, Desmond Ridder is back for the Falcons. We'll see how that goes, because he's been horrific at QB this season, I think. Yeah, especially under pressure. Um, Taylor Heineke, who, who played well in his time as a starter, one and a half games, injured his hamstring in the last game. But he has practice. It's been sort of, uh, you know, so that's part of the reason. Um, but he's been limited, and I think it's just easier for them to restart Ridder than it is. Um, obviously, because Ridder came in for Heineke injured at the end of the last game before the bye. Um, if, you know... If the Falcons lose a few of these games coming up, um, you know, especially with you know quite a few games in division, I think Arthur's probably could far be far before the season closes. Um, not a fan of this offense at all. He's just you have so much t- 
so much play of there. You've got a good offensive line. You've got run a run, You've got two. You've got th- well, three ex- excellent running backs. You've got a really good receiver in Drake London. You've got a really underrated receiver in Mike Collins, who is a terrific run blocker. Blocker. You've got two tight ends. You have some of the you know playing some of the best stuff in football right now in Carl Pitts and John U. Smith. It's it's just mental to think that this offense has been as horrible as it has been all season, um, and you know they they were good last year with a, without a quarterback. This year they've not been good without a quarterback, and I think that's where I think Smiths probably could uh, could could be fired. I think a lot of Falcons fans are fed up with this as well. I think they're uh, they're they're calling for his head, and and you know while New Orleans are inconsistent, I like them to score more points than these Falcons offense, so I'm picking them to win. Um, Got a little bit of a soft spot for the Saints for the Saints offense as well. I love the, the skill positions they've got players they've got. So yeah, give give me give me the Saints to win this one. Um probably, you know, the Falcons are favourite, but yeah, Saints Saints win this by, by two scores. I'm, I'm that confident. Yeah, what we were saying about earlier, you know, both these teams plus the Bucks, plus the Seahawks, plus the Giants could all be kind of hovering around eight and nine, nine and eight and come the end of the season. So you know, this, these games are huge, especially divisional games. Atlanta hold the tiebreaker, currently 2-0 in NFC matchups. Still got to play the Saints twice, as you said. Got the Panthers and the Bucks, I believe, still on their schedule. So, you know, I believe it's almost in their hands because I think if if you just you know run the ball, don't force Desmond Ridder to beat someone with his arm, you know, run the ball with your three running backs that you have that can all like run the ball well. Then you'd you'd have no reason to be afraid of any of these NFC South teams on your schedule. And that's the thing. They have, they have to do that. Out, and they've had a bye week to fix this offense as well. If they yeah. don't look good out the bye, then that's that's Smith gone, yeah. surely. I mean, yeah, and both teams teams coming out of the bye, so you know, they've had a bit of time to get healthy, you know, you said about Derek Carr. Um and yeah, it's actually quite an exciting match. The NFC South is is a sneaky, exciting conference because everyone's so kind of average. And then there's the Panthers as well. But, you know, you so it's going to be an exciting game. And I think both these teams have some really nice skill position players. And we were saying it yesterday, you know, Atlanta could be a top 10 personnel team in the league. You know, maybe in the off-season, I know they're NFC quarterbacks at the moment, so you might not be able to trade for them. But go and get one of Justin Fields or Kyler Murray. Depending on what those teams do in the in the draft, and you can easily be become favourite in your division, and possibly become the fifth best team in the NFC overnight by getting one of those guys. Um, and they fit the scheme as well with the kind of dual threat ability. Um, yeah, I've gone Atlanta because again, home field advantage. I think coming out of the bye, I'm gonna you know for some reason put my trust in them to run the ball. <laughs> Take it out of his hands. You've got three elite runners. And then you open up the vertical game with Drake London and Carl Pitts, who I'd back to win a jump ball over anyone in the league nine times out of ten. So, yeah, I've got Lanta, but another quite interesting matchup with playoff implications. Yeah, we'll go over to an absolutely fun game. I can't wait to watch this. The Giants going into New York at MetLife Stadium to play the Giants. Um Back-to-back um, games in, in MetLife this season. We'll see how that the field turns around on that one. That, that, that does it for me with confidence. We might see a couple of injuries in this game. 
Um, the Patriots off a bye. Uh, the Giants off a shot win over Washington, where Tommy DeVito had actually had their best quarterback performance of the season, which sort of shows where the Giants have been offensively this season. Um, both Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi have been taking 13 reps. There's not been a start announced for the Patriots um, the, so far this week. Obviously, the uh, they benched Mac Jones um, in the game in in Munich, uh, sorry, in Frankfurt, uh, for Zappi, who who ended the game with that interception um, to the Colts. Uh, but it sounds like they will go with Matt Jones by what I've been reading, but there's not mentioned anything at all yet. Um, we probably might see both of them in this game. I, I have a feeling we'll probably see both of them at some point, uh, just by the, the way the way they've been, you know, quite they've been quite um quite trigger happy with callback callback uh, decisions. Uh, this season and for the, couple, the past couple of years, to be fair. Um, the Giants are super banged up in both trenches, which, you know, for, I expect a Belichick coach team will probably be able to take advantage of because um, that's something they are okay at compared to the rest of their their, their, uh, their team. So give me New England to win this game. They're three and a half point favourites and I expect them to, to, to win by way more than that. Um, but yeah, two and 18, three and 18, so fun. Yeah, I just typed boring, boring, boring. <laughs> and then my second point was I hope both teams lose. <laughs> I can very easily see this being a field goal off tie. Yeah, it could be a nine or draw type thing. Um, it'll be decided by the boot of one of the kickers, I feel like. Yeah, like the Colts-Broncos game last year on Thursday Night Football, it ended up being 12-9, um, which I stayed up for for some reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah it's hard to call a couple of these games have been hard to call because both teams are good this is hard to call for the complete other end of the spectrum I do my weekly power rankings these are two of the three worst teams in the league by quite a distance I think they've kind of separated themselves from the pack at the bottom uh, I'll, I'll go with the Patriots just because I think they've got slightly more talent if that's the right word to use, than than the Giants. The Giants don't... I can't really pick one player other than Saquon Barkley on that team that's a, a star player. I'd say Kayvon Thibodeau, if I'm being honest. He's oh, been OK. Ex- he's I, been excellent I did, this year. You know, admittedly, he's I've got, got... I think him. he's got 10 and a half sacks. He's, he's certainly top five in sacks. Yeah. Him and Saquon have been shining lights on this team. And obviously, you know, Dex Lawrence, you can say as well. But even De- Dex Lawrence is questionable in this game as well. So yeah. he might, he might, he's not practiced this week. Probably won't play either. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's even more reason to pick but Yeah, so I, I think probably New England's, you know, they'll take care of, a, of Tommy DeVito, you know, Bill Belichick's not going to lose to Tommy DeVito. It's just not going to happen. As bad as the Patriots have been this year, you, it's just a thing that Belichick doesn't do. You know, he doesn't lose to that kind of caliber quarterback. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd pick the Patriots as well. But swiftly moving on, I, th- I hope. Yeah, we'll move on to two of the most fun sort of non-contenders to watch this season. I'd say uh, they both face off the the Bucks going into Indianapolis with the Colts are two and a half point favourites. Uh, both still alive in a wild card race though, um, and Tampa Bay for their division too. Um, I mean, to be fair, the Colts are as well if they win this game. Um, but the the Bucks will be hoping for an Atlanta win to keep New Orleans in check before they play four division games in their final six weeks of the season. Um, a win for the Colts will put pressure on Houston 
and Jacksonville uh, with a favourable schedule for them coming up too, um, which will be, <laughs> be fun to watch the, at the end of the season. But again, the Colts have to win this game. Um, the Bucks are a bit banged up, especially on defence. You know, there could be about uh, Lawrence David and Jamal Dean in this game, which isn't a good sign at all. So I'm picking the Colts, even though I love the way that Baker and Mike Evans have been playing this season. Chris Godwin might, might also miss this game as well, which is another sort of factor in that um, for the Bucks, But yeah, the, the basically the Bucks the Bucks have to win this game. Um, otherwise, they're probably out of the playoff race. The Colts, it's about next year for them. Obviously, rookie quarterback, well, rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson is is injured for he's out for the rest of the season. Um, so it's just been about what you can do with Gardner Minshew, who's been he's been good, but he's also turned the ball over a lot, and he has sort of cost got some games because they play an excellent defense. Um, and I think that you know the run game um for them has been has been spot on as well. Uh, yeah, but yeah, just Colts offense against this sort of banged up Tampa Bay defense is um is 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 what makes me pick the Colts in this game. But the Bucks have to win this one, um, and if they lose this one, then yeah, their uh their season's probably over. I'd say at four and seven, even with four games left, you're gonna have to win win out. You have to win all four of them to even have a chance at getting in the playoffs. Yeah. Um. I think Tampa will look to kind of take advantage of whichever team inevitably slips up in New Orleans-Atlanta game. Uh, and Tam- Tampa Bay kind of would go a game out of the playoff race then if they if they win this. And that's again, what like I mean, said, it's fine margins. On the flip side, win they're this, kind of, they're firmly in. Yeah, if the they back, lose this, but, they're firmly out. That's the thing. Yeah. But on a, on a like isolated note, you know, Baker Mayfield against Gardner Minshew is like one of the funnest quarterback matchups. Yeah, it's two two blokes who are just going to sling the ball, um, and they they're just both guys that you can so easily root for. Um, But India, I think India will win, but I think inevitably they'll slip away in this AFC kind of playoff race. They're kind of lingering lingering around at the moment, five hundred. They go above five hundred with a win here, but I think they'll kind of eventually start to slip away. But yeah, I think like you said, you know, home field advantage. Um, Tampa Bay banged up Colts you know with Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor all just kind of control time of possession and just deke out a win yeah I I show your thinking there Um, on to a battle of two rookie quarterbacks between uh, Bryce Young and Will Levis um, and two coaches who appear to be on the hot seat but as I said earlier in the week why the Titans were fired, Mike Rabel was beyond me. The reports will not go away, though, as we talked about yesterday between, between the two of us, Charlie. Um, Frank Reich, well, he's got till the end of the season to save his job by calling off it, by calling this offense. I thought he called a good game against the Cowboys, uh, but his calls at the start of the season weren't great, which is why he gave up play calling. Um, again, I thought I thought Carolina actually looked really good on defense last week against Dallas too. They, it was a, it was a one score game in the fourth quarter, which is you know one nineteen going against a, a seven and three sorry yeah seven and no six and three team at the time is uh, is pretty impressive. Um, I'm picking the Panthers drop set here just because Tennessee's offense without Traylon Burks this season has been absolutely abysmal because the teams can take away Jordy Hopkins um, and they can sort of you know they know you're going to run the ball with Derrick Henry then they can't really adjust that because they've got no other weapons at all. Uh, we've seen that in the last few games that uh, Burks has missed through a really bad concussion that he got. Um, obviously, the two games where he had, uh, where Burks had, where Levers had Burks, he was, the, the Titans offense was really good. Since then, it's been, you know, they, they well, barely scored any points. Um, so give me, give me Carolina to upset in this one. Um, 
yeah, just got a feeling. And uh, <laughs> well, seeing two rookie quarterbacks going against each other as well will be quite fun to watch in this game as well. Uh, yeah, I think I saw a stat the other day. I don't know how true it is, whether it was um, a couple of weeks old, but Tennessee are one of the only teams to lose at home yet this year. Um, which kind of led me to pick the Titans just because, you know, I think as well, they're a well-coached team. You know, you wouldn't lose at home to one nine team that's going to probably end up giving Chicago the first overall pick. Um, but Carolina aren't a good team. I think Frank Reich's pretty much nailed on to be one and done because the, the performance this through the first half of the season has been horrendous. Uh, with all the hype that kind of came with it, I had him picked as a sneaky playoff contender and that went south because their O-line has been dreadful. Bryce Young, you know, he can't see over the O-line for starters, but then when the O-line part of the Red Sea, is, you know, he's got no hope in how he... Anyway, um, so I think I've I've got the Titans winning at home in this one. They'll kind of just... Again, it'll be another slog fest. It's not going to be one that Red Zone is tuning into but very much. Will Levis might throw a deep bomb to D-Hop at some point, but yeah, again, it's it. one so of those that's... kind of average petering out games. Neither team's making the playoffs. You get great playoff implication games, like the two that we had at the top of the slate, and then you get these types of games, which you, know, you have no kind of investment in, but other than the quarterbacks, that's it. You, yeah. you want to see how the QBs work, look, and then that's it, really. Yeah, um, yeah. The Titans have lost once at home, and that was to the Ravens. Once, so, right. yeah. so that, that, you know, everyone, yeah, you know, most teams have lost to the Ravens this season. So, sort of just shows uh, that 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 uh, that there. But yeah, no, I think Carolina for me, um, they, well, they got a coaching staff that's probably fighting for the job, um, and I think Vrabel, he probably will be safe. If they fire everybody, it's stupid. Um, <laughs> but but you know, I think um, and I think as well they're probably the most healthy team, and that probably yeah. does. I think the, on, the only way very will go is if he gets traded. Well, that's the thing. It sounds like New England might want him if they do move on from Belichick. So uh, that could, that could happen. Um, yeah. But they probably want to get away from that. So that that that, that whole Belichick tree. Anyway, but I don't know. Look, we'll move on. We'll move on from the Titans Panthers game. We'll go to the final game of the six PM slate between the Steelers and the Bengals. The Steelers are one and a half point favourites on the road. Unfortunately, this one has lost its shine in the last seven days after Barrow was ruled out for the year and after Pittsburgh disappointing offensive showing against the Browns. Um, the Steelers have to win this game for the playoff hopes, but it's an AFC North game, so it's going to be tough. Even with the Bengals having their back at quarterback, um, the, you know, especially the Bengals defense is no slouch too. Um, but Jake Browning against the Steelers' defense, give me Pittsburgh to win this. Uh, I'm hammering the over as well. Um, and also for since as well, T Higgins being out again isn't ideal for them either. So, um, so yeah, give, give me give me the Steelers to win this one. Um, and hopefully we can see something from Kenny Pickett because otherwise I think he's he's done next year as a starter Steelers at this point. Obviously firing Matt Canada as well. Hopefully the offense does look a little bit different. Yeah, I think I'd say you know big game for Pittsburgh in there playoff hopes you've got to win this you know take one from since you're on the on the down down low after uh joe burrow injury but you know with all the joe burrow injury news you know the defense is relatively healthy as far as i'm aware for since so you know they're no slouches defensively um 
And Pittsburgh, like you said, were dreadful last week against the Browns. Um, and yeah, I, I think Kenny Pickett's trending down. You know, I saw Colin Coward, you know, he's trending down. Kenny Pickett's trending up. Um, uh, sorry, yeah, Kenny Pickett's trending down. John Love's trending up. And it's kind of a, a difference of situation where you have a defensive head coach or, a, or an offensive minded head coach. Um, and I, I wasn't a massive fan of Kenny Pickett coming into the game, uh, coming into the season. I, I still don't think he's he's shown me that much. Um, so I, I think I picked Cincy in a bit of a shock, you know, at home. But I think they back themselves with their defense, kind of unsettled Kenny Pickett early, and then go on to kind of. Yeah, I think early they could unset them and then give give Brownie a, a chance to win this game, even if it's just getting him to field goal range late on and Evan McPherson wins the game for him. I think it'd be a great storyline if since he won at home, kind of derailing Pittsburgh's playoff hopes, especially in considering they're a um yeah, playoff hopeful team and it's an AFC North rival. So I think it could be a fun game, sneaky fun game, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I really wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can see it happening. Uh, that completes the 6pm uh, slate. So we'll go off into the latest slate now. It's uh, a slate of four games, um, starting with the big one, the Bills going into Philadelphia. Um, this game was, again, it's another game that's massive. So many playoff invocation games this week. What a slate it is. Um, and that's what you get as well when you have every team playing on on a week. Um, this is the there's two more bye weeks left. Uh, this is the this this is the first time that no team's been on the bye since the week before the trade deadlines. So it's been quite quite a, a, a while since then. Um, Buffalo on the outside looking in the playoffs. If they can win this one going into their bye week, it is massive. So they're certainly back in back in the uh, in the race of the playoffs. But they've got Philadelphia in their way. Who have just won a Super Bowl rematch against the Chiefs. Um, it's a tough must win game for the Bills, though, isn't it? Like. They've looked good last week. They looked really good on offense. If Joe Brady's, um, Joe Brady taking over, obviously he was a guy who uh, who was the OC at LSU with Joe Burrow. So and he unfortunately went to Carolina. I don't know why I did that after after uh, after his time at LSU. But I think um, yeah, I I think uh, big big if they can look if they can perform like they did against the Jets defense against the Eagles. This game this certainly could be a game, couldn't it? Yeah, um, and I think Philly, Philly are just so strong and at home. I, I don't see them losing this game. And yeah, they're they're one of those. If you can force Josh Allen to turn the ball over, you can beat this team, mm. yeah, you know, relatively easily. Um, because they got off to a hot start against the Jets, and the Jets didn't force any turnovers, so they kind of imposed their will on them, but. If you can unsettle this team early, you know, fairly new offensive coordinator in his role, kind of kind of test him a little bit. Um and Philly, you know, hostile place to go into there on a roll. I think Philly quite I I took Philly to win quite assuredly, but Buffalo could easily cause an upset if they kind of come out early, score a couple of quick scores. Because Philly haven't necessarily been convincing when challenged toe to toe. Well, that's, I think, that's most what I was most of their say. wins this year have been quite convincing wins against lesser teams, or if they've played a good team, they've got out early. 
mm. caused a kind of couple of turnovers in the first half and then run away with the ball. They've not, in a tight spot, they haven't shown a proper gritty win, I don't think. Well, that's the thing. And for for Jalen Hurts, who's now the bookie's favourite for MVP, um, he was actually better last year, if I'm being honest. Um, it shows where the award's been at this year. Uh, but he he's up there because he's had loads of, you know, pu- uh, push or touch push touchdowns, if I'm being honest. But if you think about, if you, think about, if you look at his actual, um, you know, in the air numbers, there's no way he's an MVP quarterback. Yeah. Um, but a huge performance from him here would certainly help his case, wouldn't it? Going up against a, a great passing defence and a top five yeah. defence in terms of scoring. So this, again, this is another game this week that is crucial in the MVP race. Yeah. Um, I think Josh Allen kind of is out of it now after his turnovers yeah. in the kind of middle of the season. But Jaden Hurts, he's kind of ha- hanging around in there, especially if this team ends up going like 16-1, and one, you know, which would be an unreal kind of unreal season for them, especially with some of the games they've got on their record. That's the thing. I, I These think, games now really it's one of, one of those part, ones that if Jalen Hurts beats the Josh Allen Bills, for as bad as the Josh Allen Bills or inconsistent or as the Josh Allen Bills have been this year, they could very easily, you know, come into Philly and upset them. So, if just if uh, Jalen Hurts can beat them, then I think he's, you know, he, he could be a shoo-in for that award. Not necessarily shoo-in, but he's he's definitely got a justifiable case to win that award. That's the thing. I, I'm so fascinated to see actually how it goes now because we talk about it so much. Isn't there's so many names? It's, it's brilliant. Normally, you just have one person running away with it. Um, yeah, I, I, what gives me a little bit of hope with Buffalo um, is the fact that they scored the most points last week since they had since they did in week four in their win over the Dolphins. Where it was the last time that the offense looked good? There's, where they looked actually one of the best offenses in the league. And it looks like it was just Tua and Josh Allen who was MVP. Who in the MVP conversation now it's a lot more. Tua is still there, probably Josh Allen not. Um, anymore, but um, that was a good sign last week. I'm still picking the Eagles, but I have a sneaky feeling, as you said, that Buffalo could surprise here, which is why I'm so excited to watch this game. Like that's uh, that's, that's yeah. It. I I picked Philly, but it's going to be a. I don't know if it's a, a CBS game or if it's a a general. If, if, if Nance and Romo aren't on this, oh, that, I was going to say is generally yeah. Nance and Romo get the Josh Allen game. I don't know. You know they do wax lyrical about him sometimes, but they. They generally get the Josh Allen games, so it would be a great game to have with the call. Cool, I won't be watching it because of the next game we're going to talk about, but it's going to be. Uh, a, it, know, it is on CBS. I'm going to follow. I just chat. It, it is on CBS, so. So it would be a Nance Roma call then on the. But yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really fun game to watch. For sure, um, another good game as you mentioned in the late window, one of the best this week between uh, the Browns and the Broncos. Uh, as, as I said, ginormous in the AFC wildcard race as well, especially for Denver, who, are winning, who after winning four straight for the first time since 2016, uh, have put themselves right back into this race. Um, as a Broncos fan, Charlie, I bet you're on cloud nine at the minute. Um, uh, yes, I, I, how do you feel this game's going to go before I give my prediction? Yeah, I think this is the first time I've been nervous about like watching a game of American football in like late November early December for as long as I can remember you know in the Teddy Bridgewater years we were that kind of lingering on the outside looking in for a lot of the season then kind of petered away at the end of this concussion that's the closest we've been to this point since then and that year I don't think we beat many legit teams we've been on a three game stretch where we beat three 
genuine playoff caliber teams. Convincingly beat the Chiefs, should have convincingly beat the Bills, should have convincingly beat the Vikings. And I think it's those those should ofs that put the doubt in my mind when I see them because they've generated the most turnovers in the league in the last three weeks, like 12 takeaways, which is almost unprecedented kind of run of, of turnover production. But we don't score off the turnovers. Scored nine points off turnovers against the Vikings, but and that sounds like a fair amount. But when you consider they were, um, you know, they were mostly field goals, and they mostly have been field goals. If we have scored off turnovers in field goals, and we need to be more ruthless. I wrote it in my takeaways article this week and the week before that we need to be more ruthless offensively off turnovers, because if you get a team like the Browns who probably will control time of possession. They'll run the football a lot. We can't defend the run, which is a horrible mix as it is. Um, but if you can force Dorian Thompson Robinson to turn the ball over a couple of times, then you get short fields. You have to score touchdowns off of those. You know, you, you can't just kind of keep kicking field goals and hoping to keep incremental leads. You've got to take a big jump out, you know, early. And then force the Browns to kind of beat you offensively instead of suffocate you defensively and play your own kind of game and then kick field goals to beat you. Um, so I, I th- I'm, I'm nervous for the game and I, th- I think the Browns are probably the best, most informed team we've played in our run. Many times weird because the Vikings were on a six game winning streak, mm-hmm. but the Browns I think are more legit than the Vikings, especially defensively. And yeah, I, I picked Cleveland to win because I think Cleveland's matchup is not a great matchup for the Broncos with the rush, with the running ability of Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt against the Broncos running a, a defense, which is what the worst in the league, I believe, or one of the worst. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so I want Cleveland to win. Uh, I feel like Denver are actually going to win this game, a low scoring game. As we've seen every single Denver and Cleveland game this season, so yeah. <laughs> we're going to see that definitely. Uh, their offense might score the only touchdown of the game, something like that. Potentially, I think it'll be that be that close. Um, and a, you know, partly because I think you know the, the sounds like the Browns will be like without Denzel Ward in this one. Obviously, he's their best corner. Um, he's committed a few games unfortunately, which might be sort of pivotal down down the stretch. But um, they've got good secondaries. I don't think it'll be too much of a loss, but. Uh, you may you may have one sort of busted coverage or something that gives Denver the league something like that. Let's, let's go let's go for Denver to win this game, spice up a little bit, and um, really spice up the wild card race. I think as well. Which is why yeah, I mean, go for that. If we go to six and five on a what then five game winning streak. Got another huge game at Houston the week after, and then you look at the run of. You know, then you're at the Chargers. Then you've got the Lions, who we've seen aren't invincible. You know, they can wobble. Then they've, the Patriots run that schedule again. Then the Chargers and the Raiders again. There's no reason that the Broncos can't, you know, mount a real charge here. Um, and, you know, a Cortland Sutton touchdown feels like a banker now. He's scored a <laughs> touchdown in the last five weeks, which, I, you know, I knew he was on a good run. I didn't quite believe it was that good. Um but he's been tremendous. Some um, quite cool, some quite cool uh, sort of toe tapping catches in there as well. To be fair, yeah, <laughs> yeah, two, two really good catches, yeah. kind of tight, tight zones in the end zone. But 
he's kind of emerged as the Broncos wide receiver one. And I think that's helped Jerry Judy, who's seen a bit more always, productive in the been, last though. few weeks. Obviously, getting hurt last year sort of hurt hurt that that um, the sort of hurt your offense. I think he always has been because he's sort of, especially in the red zone as well. He's, he's like the target. Well, he's he's a bit like DK Metcalf in that you throw a jump ball up to him and you you'll back him to win it. Um, and then, like I said, that's helped Jerry Judy. He's become a bit more of a slot guy who works on the the secondary corner. And then you have the vertical threat, Marvin Mims. And if Tim Patrick was healthy, this would be a really nice balanced receiving call. Um, sadly, he did both his ACLs in the last two years. So, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I back Cleveland to win, possibly more for my own superstitions than anything subconsciously. But I think it's just not a great fit for Denver against this Cleveland offence. There we are. Uh, we'll go over to Arizona, where the Cardinals were favorite favorite for the first time this season ahead of the home game to the Rams. But with the news that they are, uh, sounds like they're probably going to be about not only Hollywood Brown but also Michael Wilson, two of their uh, most productive receivers this year. The Rams are now favorites. Um, the The Rams won twenty six to nine in Week Six, uh, but that was in LA, and the Cardinals have been much better at home than away. It's quite a stark difference, actually. It's one of the the weirdest. Um, it's like the Cowboys as well. It's one of the weirdest sort of uh, you know anomalies you look in data um, <laughs> every week. It's just like okay, you know, if they're at home, they're very very good, um, and if they're away, they're one of the worst teams in the league. Um, uh, also, now they have Kyler Murray back too. I think it adds a bit of a different zone, um, especially the way the Rams have been since that game as well. They've lost quite a few games. Um, as for the Rams, actually, three of their four wins this season have come in division. So if they win this, they're going to four and one in the division, and you know, uh, and they'll go to five and six in the season, which is just so NFC West. Um, but I'm going to go for the Rams to win this one. Uh, just because again, although I like Arizona at home, and I think it'll be close. I think the Rams just sneak it um, because they're probably the most healthiest team of the two. Yeah, I think it's a fun game. Um, you know, Matt, Sta- Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray two really have good quarterbacks. Fun games, don't they? So yeah, it's like it's, it's always fun with the Rams and the Cardinals. When they play each other, it's only going to be fun. Yeah, um, as an Arizona defensive talent on IR, I think Kaiser White moved to IR in a week. Um, he's been really good for them this year. Um, but yeah, I, like you, yeah, I, I think the Rams win it. I don't think the, the Cardinals have enough talent to kind of beat. You know, the Rams don't have a lot of talent either. But I think Matt Stafford's support Casper and Kyler Murray's, and yeah, it might be a little like high scoring one because neither defense has a massive amount of talent. In a dome as well, um, they do sort of game yeah. up in, so, in those situations. So. It, it could be could be quite a fun high scoring one. Yeah, one of those that Scott Hansen keeps going to in the late window on red zone because they're just racking up the score. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think it's Rams... only four games as well. It probably will happen. Yeah, if the Rams win as well, they kind of sneaky on the outside looking into the playoffs, mm. especially like you said with their four and one divisional record as well. Yeah, only if they beat Seattle again. No, they beat Seattle. They beat Seattle twice. So if they win another game, and Seattle lose to the Niners, then they're firmly yeah. in there, and that's There's, the thing. You know, a little sneaky backdoor kind of entrant into the into the uh, playoffs would be fun. It would be hideous for their rebuild because they'd lose <laughs> yeah. a high draft pick, but it would be quite fun. Um, be yeah, our back rounds. There we are. Uh, and then the final game in the late window is between the Chiefs and the Raiders. 
I'm kind of looking forward to this one because the Raiders have been really good recently. They've had a bit of a spark. Been one of the best teams in football the last couple of weeks, actually. And the Chiefs are coming off a loss. Obviously, a lack of weapons were evident again in the game on Monday night against Philadelphia, as were drops. Um, but the Chiefs' defence against a rookie QB gave me the Chiefs. I do think it will be closer than many think now. I think it will be under the eight and a half points that the Chiefs are favoured by. Uh, as good as the Raiders have been, the Chiefs are going to be angry coming into this one. Mm. After Monday night, like you saw MVS slamming his helmet against the wall. Patrick Mahomes walking off the field looked really like effed off. Um, and they've got a nice stretch to win the year. So if you can kind of start that momentum rolling, going into a division rival. Because if Casey dropped this game and Denver win this week, Denver won suddenly one game back from the Chiefs. Right? Like th- this is kind of how quickly the, the years turned round. And you know, Casey can't a- afford to drop any of these divisional games, especially. So as good as the Raiders have been, and Aiden O'Connell's been good enough to kind of keep them in games with the way the defense has played. I think the Chiefs are just too good. They'll blitz the hell out of him, you know, Spags. Yeah. as he does um, with a rookie uh, quarterback. And I think Patrick Mahomes will just do his thing, dissect this defence, and, and they'll win fairly comfortably on the road, I think. Cool. Um, let's go over to Sunday Night Football now, uh, between the Ravens and the Chargers, one of the, the best Sunday Night games I've had in a while, actually. Um, Ten days after taking a stronghold in the AFC North title race, the Ravens now travel to LA to face the Chargers ahead of their bye week as well. So the Ravens' bye week has come out with a really good time for them, actually. Uh, last week, Herbert was PFF's highest-graded quarterback and yet lost with the Chargers' skill players being played with drops and turnovers. Um, and it wasn't Brandon Staley's fault either. The defence played well. It was firmly on the skill position players to, that the, uh, the Chargers lost last week, um, as well as maybe situationally a little bit. But now they've lost Dre Bosa. And I think it'll probably it's going to take a miraculous performance that we've not seen before from Justin Herbert to beat the Ravens' defense. Um, obviously, number one in, in a lot of categories this season, um, and he's missing two skill players. I mean, they've still got two first-round pit receivers in Keenan Allen and Quinton Johnston, but they're just not getting anything out of Johnston this season. Um, so my pick of the week: the Baltimore Ravens smashed the over against the Chargers <laughs> at three and a half at the minute. Uh, yeah, give me the Ravens to win this one. Uh, and uh, this again, this game probably is the end for Brandon Staley. If they don't win this game, he's he's done. He's certainly done because they're out of the playoff race. Yeah, they're they're half out of the playoff race now. I think with their running, they they've got a pretty difficult stretch. Um, as to Baltimore, but Baltimore, I think currently are the best team in the AFC from what we've seen. Yeah, you know, their their defense is sneaky good. Their you know Lamar's doing his thing. Well, it's sneaky good, and his best in the NFL good. <laughs> that's but, a... yeah. but I I don't think they get talked about as the best no, defense in the league yeah. type thing. You know, whereas statistically they are in a lot, and their pass rush Only a lot of people. That's 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 mental. That, yeah. Think about the teams you play in the AFC points scoring wise, you allowing fourteen points a game. Yeah, a lot of people have been like, you know, their pass rush isn't great. You know, losing. You know, some of the talent they lost, uh, Calais Campbell in the off-season in particular, I think, is one that stood out. But, you know, Adafi always, you know, been really good. Uh, Madabuike's been really good. And they, they just kind of... They're getting to fight with Jadavia Clowney as well. He's had a really good season. Yeah. And and they, they just kind of lean on, lean on that run game, like Gus Edwards, Lamar, obviously, with his legs. And then, 
even though Mark, Mark Andrews has gone down, it seems like finally there's receivers stepping up in Baltimore with you know Odell and Rashad Bateman. They kind of have finally stepped up to the fore and are helping Lamar in the reception game. So I think Baltimore win this as well quite comfortably. Charges, it feels like they're coming to the end of an era, just kind of going through the motions almost. Um, feels like they have a couple of sneaky, like, big wins in them to kind of shake up the AFC playoff picture, but I don't think they're going to be in it come crunch time. And they're in danger of kind of finishing bottom of the AFC West as well with the way the Raiders are playing at the moment and the way the Broncos are playing. Yeah, I think Lamar probably, again, chucks himself into... The, you know, the higher echelons of the MVP conversation with a good performance here as well. So um, so there's there's that to look for too. Uh, and then we'll finish with Monday Night Football, which, you know, a couple of weeks ago this looked awful, but it's not been flexed out because now it's quite a good game. I'm kind of looking forward to this one. Um, when I was a month ago, I'll be dreading it. Uh, it's a madness that a 7-4 a team, oh, sorry, a 6-5 team in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the Vikings is only three and a half point favourites against a 3-8 and eight team. Uh, but it just shows how much of a mad season it's been for both teams. Um, I do think it'll be that close as well, um, especially with uh, TJ Hawkinson questionable. He gritted through a rib injury last week, but he wasn't the same player in that game. You could tell he was injured. Um, uh, uh, Justin Jefferson obviously has already been ruled out as well. Um, I'm still picking the Vikings, but I do hope that Justin Fields keeps this one close. I think it will be close, but just give, give him Minnesota to, to win this game. And they kind of do need, need to win this one as well, because if they win this, they're probably, probably sure down for the playoffs. Yeah, I think you're just Justin Fields has seven auditions basically to the Bears as to where they should keep him and not draft Caleb Williams. Um, and it starts in in this game, and this will be a real test for him because the Vikings blitz the most of any team in the league. And oh, if Flores is going to do something crazy to to, um, to to try and spin Justin Fields' head, yeah. No, um, that's the, that scheme. As I just want to say something. Um, against the same scheme last year for Miami, um, Fields had one of his best games of his career. So, um, you know, over a hundred yards on the ground, which he got last week as well, uh, and in the air he was excellent as well. So, in that aspect, I think he will have a very good game. Well, this is what I, this is what I was going to say. You know, if he backs himself and his running ability, you know, he could force Flores early to back off the blitz because he will gash him with his legs. And then he gets himself a bit more time in the pocket. But if they stop, if they abandon his running ability like they did earlier in the season and try and force him to be a pocket faster and pass his ball around, they will get absolutely massacred. Because, it's, you know, Justin, he's, he's not got a great sense of pressure. He's not got a great escapability like pocket presence when it collapses on him quickly. So I, I think if you kind of, dial up those those QB draw plays, his kind of wildcat plays where he's kind of, if he can't throw to his first read, he gets out quick and just gets yards with his legs, then this could be a really interesting close game quite late on in the day. And Denver laid down a blueprint of how to beat Josh Dobbs as well. You know, if you kind of right. can take, contain him, force him to to throw the ball, he's he's not an amazing quarterback. You know, he's a lot of what he's done, like you were saying to me yesterday, is he's done with his legs. Yeah, he's been one of the worst quarterbacks throwing the football this season. It's, it's, been, it's been his legs that's made him stand out. Um, yeah, and that's one of the reasons why he is still a backup quarterback. You know, you've, you've had the whole, you know, the astronaut type thing. 
Yeah, that's been and gone now. He's he's lost the game. The streak's over. He beat two bad teams. Yeah, Chicago by no means a good team. They're still like bottom five in the NFL, but is there's a blueprint now of how you beat Josh Dobbs. And Matt Eberflus being a defensive head coach, you'd hope that he's kind of, you know, we always hear it's copycat league. You'd hope he kind of implements some of that and helps his his team out. I, I picked Minnesota to win, but I think it could be, like you said, a close game. For sure. Well, that's it. We've uh, we've gone through every single game. It's been nice to keep it sort of quite quite um quite a short podcast because literally every team in the week he's played this this uh, week we've had three games in in the uh, in the week already. So just trying to you know keep it brief and not go yeah. on for two hours is quite it's quite difficult. So uh, yeah, really good podcast this week. Thank you, thank you for that, Charlie. Thank you for coming on as well. It's been great to have you on, and uh, we'll get you on again. Yeah, you know, in the next couple of weeks as well. Hopefully, before the season. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um... Looking forward to this week's slate. You know, some good games at each window, and some that we'll be paying no attention to. But <laughs> is yeah, I said it a couple of weeks ago. You know, and we're really in the thick of it now. The crunch time. You know, your MVP candidates start to rear their heads. Playoff teams start to show themselves, and the kind of the the chasing pack falls away quite dramatically in these next kind of couple of weeks and around to Christmas. So it's going to be exciting. That's what I mean. I think it will be the the best week of the season because there's so much riding on it this season, uh, this week. Because there's so much, there's so much MVP race, playoff, uh, playoff position, as as you know, division races. There's so much riding on on results this week that is going to be one hell of a Sunday. So yeah. we'll see you after that Sunday. We'll see you uh, probably Tuesday morning after Monday Night Football. Uh, we'll give you instant reaction to that um, on the on the podcast and we'll uh, that's it I think we'll uh, we'll see you then hopefully uh, hopefully early on Tuesday morning as well so I can get get it all, all done and, and dusted um, and it's still relevant um, but yeah after all these games we're going to have we're going to be talking about one hell of a different NFL this time <laughs> next this time at the end of the weekend so I'll see you then I've been Sam Morse this has been the 410 Yards NFL Podcast and bring on Sunday week 12 it's going to be one hell of a ride <laughs> <laughs>